0: Hey guys, thank you, Chaos Theory crew. It's Jeff Howe, Jordan Scruggs. It's uh, it's only an hour, Jordan. You got everything set up, ready to go in the office. Back off the road. Yeah,
1: yeah. This was a little late getting on, but happy to uh, happy to be back home.
0: Awesome. Let's. uh, I I do want to run down a couple things. We didn't. There's some transfer portal stuff we didn't get to talk about yesterday, and I'm kind of glad we held off because we didn't mention Isaiah Bond. And Texas ends up getting Silas Bolden yesterday. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But I think the easier portal discussion to have right now to start off is Texas getting Kendrick Blackshear out of the portal. Uh, Former Mesquite Horn product, former Duncanville product. Uh, He's coming to Texas. And, you know, I like I like the fact that you add a veteran presence at a position where clearly, clearly your two best players are young guys in that group like Anthony Hill and Lafau, are both true sophomores I think it's just a nice little safety net I love the fact and we get into this deeper a wide receiver but I love the fact that Sark really tries his best to not leave anything to chance doesn't want to get caught in a situation where they just have inexperienced guys at linebacker with David Benda and Kendrick Blackshear I'm not saying either one of those guys is going to put up all big 12 caliber numbers or even get that number of reps but it, it at least gives you two nice safety nets in case something happens to to hill or lafowl I, I love that about Sark; just not leaving anything to chance
1: yeah yeah the in blackshire will also like he's gonna apply on special teams as well that was what his i mean primary role was on the alabama team and mm-hmm. um, you know i don't i don't expect Blackshire to take any reps away from Anthony Hill or any of those guys. So, um, yeah, yeah, good, good ad. You know, you can never be, never can be too good on special teams. And also, you know, somebody has been in the SEC and in a program like Alabama for the last three years, having more guys like that in your program helps as well. And uh, the fact that it's a Kendrick Blackshire who's coming with years of eligibility and not a Jaleel Billingsley or a Jai Hall, like, guys you kind of have to worry about, like, in between the years, Blackshire isn't one of those. Um, no,
0: no. He, I, he, I, he and, uh, he,
1: he's solid, and he's going to help this team a lot.
0: No, and, and at this point, you know, Sart Sart doesn't have to take chances like that. Like, you, you look at the – I was thinking yeah. about this today. It, it's the, the same
1: you, thing we've talked about with their 2022 class. Like, they wouldn't take half – or not half, but probably about – a quarter to a third of those guys nowadays yeah. you know it's the same thing with the early portal thing with the Jai, yeah. and and i mean think like ben davis and Ovi Ogofu. gofu like that's, all the, those that's the group guys. i was
0: thinking about yeah so I'll, I'll i'll look at their 2021 going into year one for sark uh i don't count darian dunn because you know he signed while tom herman was still the coach and, and sark honored the the commitment honored the scholarship but i mean you know, Keelan Robinson was a really productive player at Texas, a, a, a game changer at Texas, just for what he did in the kicking game and and for what he did in the receiving game, too. Uh, I, I like Keelan Robinson's contributions. No, you know, Ben Davis kind of was what he was. I mean, he had an injury history at Alabama against the Texas and gets hurt during summer workouts. You know, Devin Richardson uh, ended up being a, a backup, player I think didn't Devin Richardson, I want to say, moved to, like, fullback before he was done at Texas, maybe play some running back. Ovia Gofu. Solid contributor, you know Ray Thornton. Solid contributor, Darian Dunn contributed, but other than Keelan Robinson, none of those guys were you know, you'd consider them frontline guys, right? Like I wouldn't even Ovia Gofu. Like I wouldn't consider Ovia Gofu a frontline guy, but he was a guy kind of like what I'm expecting from Blackstar, a guy that you can put him in the game, give him a role, and you trust that he won't screw it up. Like he's going to be good enough that, you know, you can trust him to do his job. But then, man, you look at this, and let's be honest, man. You, Sark took some of those guys because he had to. Yeah. The second portal class was kind of a mixed bag. You know, you get Ryan Watts. Uh, I'll just run him down. Ryan Watts, uh, Diamante Tucker Dorsey was a late ad. And that's the other thing, too, Jordan. Like, people don't don't forget there's a second portal window that's going to open after spring ball. And Texas has had good success with late portal ads. They added Tuck for linebacker depth, get brought in Tariq Milton as an insurance policy for Jordan Whittington, took a gamble on a Jai Hall, brought in Isaiah Nayer, thinking he was going to be the number one. Uh, he said brought in Jaleel Billingsley thinking he was going to be a difference maker tight end because I don't think they knew what they had with, with Jatavian Sanders yet. And then, you know, obviously Quinn, kind of like Ryan Watts, was brought into – neither one of those guys was brought in to ride the bench. He brought both those guys in to start – so it's kind of a, a little bit of both, a little bit of a you know, some guys that you know you took you took them thinking they can be difference makers, other guys you took kind of hoping what they could become. But then this last class, I mean, with uh the, the Ryan Sanborn, Trill Carter, Adnan Mitchell, Jalen Catalan, Gavin Holmes. I mean, even Catalan before he got banged up was playing productive snaps. It's just Jalen Catalan's downfall is what Jalen Catalan's downfall, unfortunately, has always been. His body just let him down. Yeah. It's I mean, it's shame. hard
1: when you when you got that much tread on the tire. I and mean, You play the way he plays and hit the way he hits. You're going to get hurt.
0: Dude, we talked about that. And, like, it, you know, and, and Sark got asked about that in the preseason, too. Like, okay, well, and even last spring, like, what do you do? And even though Sark would never admit that Catalan was on a pitch count, like, we could tell. Yeah. catalan was on a pitch count like it, it just you can't you can't ask it's like it's like giving someone a ferrari and saying okay don't see how fast you can drive this thing
1: yeah. but then
0: what's the point of having the ferrari right like if you tell jalen catalan to go half speed then uh, like what what kind of player do you have at that point you either get all jalen catalan i do like the fact for him that uh Barry Odom, kind of his, his old defensive coordinator at Arkansas, kind of threw him a lifeline, and he's he's going to get a chance to at least get some NFL tape out there at, at UNLV. We'll see what happens. But, Jordan, we look at this portal class for 2024, and Kendrick Blackshire, Silas Bolden, Isaiah Bond, Trey Moore, Andrew McCuba, Matthew Golden, It compares, especially compared to that first class, Dude, it's a, it's a different caliber of player, and I think it speaks to the overall kind of big-picture view I have of this roster. The 2024 Texas roster, this is the first roster that's going to look like a Steve Sarkeesian roster. I know the guys this past season were Sark's guys, but the way Sark and Kyle Flood and PK, the way they want to build a roster, this is the first the first iteration of it what it's really going to look like if, like if you gave them a blank sheet of paper and said build your roster this is the year where we're really going to see what that looks like
1: yeah yeah so i'm going through the different uh portal classes right now texas is number 8 but it has the highest average rating out of anybody i've seen so far and i'm yeah in the 30s now um but yeah it like the it, Actually, Ohio State has them beat by point one seven, um, but they're in forty seventh place currently with four commits. I have not paid enough attention to A and M to realize that they have twenty three commits from the portal.
0: Yeah, dude, Mike Elko, number one. They had a lot of roster spots to fill. Two, yeah, Mike Elko loaded up, dude. He,
1: yeah, they got Des Ricks like this morning or last night or something.
0: Oh, did they really? Uh, I'm that that one. I missed that one.
1: Yeah, he was. I'm still, uh, I'm still
0: having to leave my house to shower, Jordan. So I've been, I've been oh, a little yeah. preoccupied. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, what's it? Des Rick's is like our number 42 player in the in the 23 cycle, and then he redshirted at Bama this past year and entered the portal. It was going to be like LSU or A and think Georgia might have been the third school, um, but I don't even think he made it to any of the other visits besides A and M one. And sounds like they kind of just wrapped it up there. I'm um, trying to see. Oh, Nick Scarton. I actually, it, it, I'm actually kind of happy that he gets to go back home because he's originally from Bryan, and I remember him out of high school. We had him in the top 247, and nobody was offering him. Um, And he ended up at Purdue because no one would offer him. Uh, He had a really weird build, not super tall, but like a really uh, thick, stout kind of barrel-chested edge rusher. Um, and And he's been productive as hell at Purdue. I mean, he led the Big Ten in sacks last year and then entered the portal and started raining bags and, you know, he wanted to come home. And it was funny. There's a – I have a buddy works in the a and market who um, long had Mike Elko as a source whenever he was first at a and And he would always talk about how Elko would always be pissed, how he couldn't offer – because his name at the time was Nick Carraway. It's now Nick Scourton. He changed it. I don't know why. Um, okay. But how he couldn't offer him because Jimbo hated his build. And he's like, this is a local kid who will play at AM. Like, we need to be all over him. They didn't offer him. Another kid in that situation, he always wanted to offer Torrey and York as like a sophomore and junior for AM. Yeah. AM ended up getting Torrey and York, but it's because they offered him two weeks before signing day when all their guys started going in the portal and they had two linebackers on scholarship. And he ended up being a first team freshman, all SEC player. Um, but Elko definitely like, doesn't overthink it at all um compared to Jimbo and also uh, not for Texas (laughs) Elko um also like he cares so much more about the people inside the state lines than Jimbo or those guys did yeah and like it's clear and Elko's been there what a month
0: yeah and it's not so much to me about uh you know the the high school coaches aspect of it to me it's more of Dude, if there if there's a kid in that Brazos Valley that's good enough to play for you, he needs to be on your roster. Like, even yeah. if even if we don't have him ranked very high, like, it, especially especially now that there are no initial counter limits, you know, just pull the trigger on the kid. You know, the worst the worst thing that happens is he's there with you for a semester and. You know, he ends up transferring to Sam Houston or Texas State or U of H or wherever. Like, you know, I just I, I think that that to me is is the big part is, is the big thing. Mike Elko needs to do is just make sure because, granted, it's not like it's not like the Austin area where Sark has a deep yeah. talent pool to work with. But dude, if I think the worst thing for them is a kid a kid getting out of the Brazos Valley of all places. Like for years, I said that about Baylor. Like, dude, if Baylor could just keep the really good players in the greater Waco area at home, they'd be a pretty good team. And, dude, by however means he did it, like Art Bryles did that. Art Bryles is the first guy that really did that, like kept the Waco area guys at home, whether it was Lake Seastrunk or Ahmad Dixon or Tevin Reese, like dudes that were good enough to play at Baylor started going to Baylor. And it's no coincidence that they started winning games at that point. So... That's a really long-winded way for me to say Mike Elko's doing what a coach at a power five school or a power conference school in the state of Texas needs to do. Make sure you leave no stone unturned in your backyard. That's that's why what I one, one of the things I dig about Texas, Jordan, even though they might not offer kids, <clears throat> but how many times have we heard since Sark has been here that at various points in the cycle? They'll kick the tires on kids from San Marcos or Dripping Springs or you know one of the Austin Isd schools or wherever it is, like they're gonna kick the tires on guys that hey, you know, maybe, maybe not, but we just we need to be sure that we're not missing anything here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they definitely do a good job of making sure that bases are checked and also just like Showing face at the local high schools when everyone knows you're actually not recruiting anyone from there goes a long way. It really does. Um, And Sark and Nansen stopping by Del Valle. There's one kid at Del Valley who will probably play power five football, but, um, you know, in my opinion, probably isn't a Texas talent. But just going out there and showing that. Like Bastrop, there's a few kids are looking out and actually recruiting at Bastrop. That's important. Mm-hmm. Manor. there's no one at Manor right now that probably could play at Texas. But, you know, just going out there and going, the, the trip to Manor, I think, was to rehash some stuff. I know Texas and Manor kind of butted heads over Quentin Jordan's recruitment a little bit. But, um, you know, uh, I know Coach Keller at, at Manor, and lately he said nothing but good things to say. So, you know, Tom Herman would have never tried to fix that.
0: No, and that that's kind of been a weird deal, like going kind of even going back to like the Eric Fowler recruitment, yeah. like it just and I think Eric Fowler's whole experience at Texas just it just seemed like things hadn't been right with Texas and and Mainer since then. uh you know, like to your for, to add on your point, like Blake Gideon was at Liberty Hill. Yeah, yeah, when is Liberty Hill ever gonna have a kid that plays at Texas? I don't know, maybe never. maybe they'll have one. I don't know. But, dude, can you imagine, like, if they ever do, like, the fact that Blake Gideon stopped there on a random ass Friday in January of 2024 is going to make the difference for some kid, you know? So I just, I, I dig it from that standpoint.
1: Yeah, I uh, I saw someone earlier on the show was asking about maybe doing Collins, Jeff. Can we even do that? Like, is that possible? Is that uh,
0: I don't even know if we got that. Even that got that kind of technology. To be honest, yeah. I'm well, sure we'll have
1: to ask BK. He's uh he's boss man around this way. So yeah.
0: that's that's uh, above my pay grade. So
1: yeah, I'll, I'll,
0: I don't know. I don't know. I don't I don't make the rules. I just try my best to follow them. Yeah, we Uh, just work here. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm just here so I don't get fired. So is that but getting back to the portal conversation overall um, of these guys, Texas has in this portal class. I mean, when and I say this with all due respect to him, when Kendrick Blackshire is your quote unquote worst take out of the portal. Yeah, That tells me, of your six transfers, that tells me you probably put together a pretty damn good portal class.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, for
0: sure. Because if you look at their transfer rankings, I mean, (laughs) you've got Makuba's a a four-star in his transfer rankings. Trey Moore's a four-star. Those guys are both 93 four-stars. Isaiah Bond's a five-star. Silas Bolden's a four-star. Blackshire's a three, a three-bordering on a four. They've They've knocked it out. With the exception of defensive tackle, they've, they've addressed the portal needs that they've needed to address.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: Jeff, do you happen to know
1: where Texas is at with the scholarship count right now?
0: You know what? If you give me a second, I could probably do some napkin math because I just got to pull up the uh, roster tracker. By the way, the scholarship tracker at Horns 24-7, it's an article that's on the front page. I try to update it as much as possible. If you give me, I, I want to say it's probably, it should be either 87 or 88 because one of the last two portal moves and DeAndre Robinson getting let out of his letter of intent, those two should cancel each other out. But if you give me a second, uh, okay, hold on just a sec. We got five. By the way, just in case anybody was wondering, uh, you remember when Sartre got the job? and he was complaining that they had, like, 18 wide receivers and eight scholarship offensive linemen. Yeah, they're not 10. Ten wide receivers and 18 scholarship offensive linemen. It's crazy how he's done that in that short amount of time. Uh, They would
1: have had nine. Well, shit, man. They would have had eight if not for the transfers.
0: Yeah. Let's see, 18.
1: Whereas the O-line would have remained the same. It's not like they're portaling or really losing guys on the O-line. Yeah,
0: the only really problem I see is the D- interior D line. You've only got eight right now, yeah. 10 on the edge. Edge is another position, man, that I think you're you're right for some attrition post spring. Just I think some guys will see writing on the wall, especially when you got a guy like Trey Moore. Like Trey Moore, if Trey Moore emerges as a starter, which he's going to get every chance to, um, trust me, you don't bring in a guy like that to, to sit the bench. There's only yeah. some dudes in that room that see the writing on the wall and probably decide, you know what, if I want to play, I probably need to do it somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, 87 right now is where I've got Texas
1: in the, as long as you have 85 by, by fall, by camp, the time right?
0: everybody is enrolled in school. That's when you have to be at 85. So basically so by you, June, <clears throat> you yeah. got
1: to figure it out by April 30th when the portal window closes.
0: Yeah. And dude, you'll the have, spring portal. you'll have some guys, you'll have some guys at the portal after spring ball. They'll, yeah. They'll get the message. Like I'm, I'm not. I'm not worried about Sark overcooking his bacon. And oh my gosh, we got to just cut somebody loose. Like this stuff will just naturally work itself out. Because again, man, I, at the risk of repeating myself, some guys it's not, eventually they're going to see the writing on the wall. Like I, I think you're going to get fewer. If you're going to get programmed guys like Charles, like tell like a Charles Wright, which again, Jordan, I know you were devastated when Charles hit the pool.
1: Hey, you see where he's going?
0: Dude, that's going to App State, man. That's, Hell yeah. The, hey, many a great quarterbacks come out of the fun belt. That's a great, great league.
1: Chucky left <laughs> about to run the fun
0: belt. Yeah, until he runs into G.J. Kenny and T.J. Finley back for another year of college.
1: Uh-uh. You didn't see that? What? Oh, I forgot. Wow, you didn't see that?
0: Dude, don't tell me. I thought T.J. Finley was coming back.
1: He went in the portal. They got Jaden Delore, and they didn't tell him. He went in the portal and, like, gave quotes, so they didn't tell him he got Jay- The Texas State did not tell him they were getting Jaden Delore until he committed. Oh, he no. Him. Yeah, T.J. Finley's in the portal.
0: Chucky T- oh, T- left man. going
1: undefeated, my boy. Come on now.
0: <laughs> that is a shame, man. Well, hey, I'll tell you this. Uh, the pride I of Austin
1: will- High. He's doing what he wants.
0: I will forever be indebted to TJ Finley that he quarterbacked my Texas State Bobcats to an eight-win season and a bowl victory. Hey, outside outside of the New Year's Six and the CFP games, Texas State played the most memorable bowl game this year. You're not going to remember the score. You're not even going to remember who Texas State played. But you're damn sure going to remember and some of my friends I was with helped do this. You're gonna There's remember beer. Texas State drinking Gerald J. Ford Stadium out of beer by the second half. Yes, On, only at Texas State can we accomplish such great things like that. I didn't know they had a Deloria, so that's actually pretty nice. So, yeah, man, the the fun, the fun belt's a, the fun belt's a good league. Dude, I I uh <clears throat> I thought about this, man. This is just kind of like a crazy college football idea that I had. Because you know you're getting to the point, like you're talking about, you're basically getting kind of two two power conferences with the Big Ten and the SEC, and then the ACC and the Big Twelve just kind of hanging on for dear exist. life.
1: Yeah, they kind yeah. of just exist right you've now. You
0: basically got you basically got two basketball leagues that are trying to function and exist as competitive football leagues. Both A- leagues are both leagues are competitive. Just are they elite? I don't really know about that. Yeah, but I, I figured like between the Sunbelt Conference USA and the Mountain West, like all the other leagues, like the Mac already kind of has this. So I'll leave the Mac out of it. Like basically, like just go just make yourself like divide yourself up in the G5 ranks and just have like regional con- like legit regional conferences or like yeah. all your all your TV money goes into the same pool. What all this stuff go like you, you just dis, distrib, distribute revenue equally, but like have like Texas State, UTEP, UNT, Sam Houston like all the I would love to have Baylor
1: drop them down while we're at no. Sorry.
0: I would there's check your uh, it's only an hour bingo card for the space where Jordan yeah. craps on Baylor.
1: Yeah, uh, Shit. I
0: would because I somebody can correct me if I'm if I'm wrong about this, but I, I've been led to believe this. A Texas State alum actually owns the trademark and the name to the Southwest Conference. I would love for all the other Division One schools in the state of Texas to have their own G5 league and call it the Southwest Conference.
1: Yeah. And you could even throw in, like, La Tech in there. You know, they're right next door.
0: Yeah. I mind Arkansas that. State. Tulsa.
1: New Mexico. New Mexico State.
0: Yeah, you could have your nice little Southwest Conference.
1: Oklahoma Uh, State's eventually going to end up in there too. You know, the Sun Sun
0: Belt should be schools in like legit in the Southeast because Texas State is the one that sticks out like a sore thumb because they're in Texas. Everybody else is – I think Texas, uh, the two Louisiana schools, and Arkansas State are the only ones west of the Mississippi in Sun Belt. Everybody else is east of the Mississippi.
1: Yeah, Jeff CB asked when, uh, were you at Texas State when it was Southwest Texas State?
0: No, I know. I, uh, that's what happens when you go to college for seven years and you start out in community college. No, I didn't, I wasn't accepted nor enrolled when it was Southwest Texas State. Some, I I have friends who were, and some of my, uh, couple of my college roommates were, but I was not. My wife actually, yeah, my wife, I want to say, was she, I think she got accepted to Southwest Texas State, and maybe did a semester before the name change, or maybe she just got accepted and then the name change happened. I don't remember, but no, I was post. I was post name change. I'm a post name change Bobcat. So, got do it. What you will? Uh, let's talk about Texas receivers, man. Uh, I mentioned this roster looking like if you asked the staff, hey, how would you build this roster? I go back to Sark saying that like uh, early on in his tenure, I don't remember if it was the introductory press conference or one of those first in the spring, but he was talking about it. And he said, is, is this roster built the way I would build it? No, but that's okay. We'll make it work. Th- this roster looks like how I think he wants it to look. Um, you know, Texas had a fast group of receivers last year, you know, with the Xavier worthy chief among them, but dude, you can have one hell of a, a, a four by 100 relay team with the wide receivers they got now. And with Silas Bolden, Isaiah Bond and Golden and, and Jonte Cook heading into spring as your top four, dude, it is, I think it'll benefit Quinn and Sark from a play calling standpoint and Quinn from a decision-making standpoint because now to generate explosive plays, you don't have to be so focused. And we've seen we've seen kind of the shift where Sartre got away from this last year compared to 22. You'll see Texas, I think, Jordan rely less on the deep ball. They'll still have, have it as part of the offense. But I think the more bang for your buck is getting Isaiah Bond or Silas Bolden out in space and letting them have as many one-on-one opportunities as you can get scheming guys open, which Sartre does probably better than any play caller in the country. Uh, I just think the the after the catch ability of this group is off the freaking charts.
1: Yeah. Um I'm sure you saw it this morning. Caleb Downs under the portal. Caden Proctor yeah. just hopped into. Um
0: no way.
1: Yeah. Hey, I'll tell you what, the Caleb yeah. Downs bag and the Caden Proctor bag are gonna be generational bags. Generational. For, for generational. Those that, yeah. His grandkids are getting fed in a few weeks.
0: For those <laughs> that uh Want to put this in Texas terms. And this is how I feel about Caden Proctor as a prospect because he got, man, if you watched him towards the end of the year and watched him in that Texas game, you could see the the growth. This would would
1: be. I know who you're about to say. He didn't have as good of a freshman season as our guy. Yeah. He also played better comp, though. So
0: this would be the equivalent of if Kelvin Banks hopped in the portal. That's how big this is like you're you're getting a walk in all American first round draft pick left tackle. Yeah, that's why the bag is going to be. And
1: Caleb Downs is a guaranteed top five, top ten pick at safety (laughs) as well. I I
0: know you I know you've talked about it, man. Guys talk about the seven figure bags get get thrown out there in terms of NIL deals. Do these really will? Yeah, accept- yeah, yeah, yeah. these guys. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I always talk about like very rarely do college athletes actually make six figs or even some people like everyone think like Isaiah Bond. I guarantee you his deal his his deal that is directly from the Texas One Fund off roster value, not brand value, is less than a million dollars. Yeah, I don't know that for a fact. I don't know what his number is, but I feel very strongly. There's no way it's seven figures. Caleb Downs and Caden Proctor, on the other hand, not only are they future first-rounders, uh, one, they have starting experience as true freshmen in the SEC, and two, they have, they have to be on your team at least two seasons before they're eligible for the draft. So yeah. they're, they're about to get paid out the ass at the ass.
0: I mean, we talk, about, we talk about Texas dropping bags and Texas at the end you know, of the NIO poll that Texas has. Texas, like, okay, Texas,
1: for example, they would love to get both Caden Proctor and Caleb Downs. Will they probably make some calls? I'd assume so. Will they really push hard? I doubt it because they know they know the price tag these guys are going to get. And whenever yeah. it's recruitment like that where it's just obvious, like, you know, it's, it's going to be a big number. You know, Texas, yeah. I've said it before. I'll say it again. You know, Texas never feels like they want to feel like they got fleeced or they overpaid for uh, a prospect. And. No matter what, I feel like, even though again they are kind of first round locks. Like, you can't ever overpay for someone who's going to be a first rounder at the college yeah. level, but it's going to be really fucking expensive. Dude, really, really expensive.
0: Here's here's the thing, and CB, I haven't seen this because Caden Proctor just hit the portal. Matt Zenitz, our guy twenty four seven Sports, is saying, look out for Iowa. I think Caden Proctor, yeah, wasn't he committed to Iowa and then yeah, so Lane.
1: He, he's from a town – I forgot the original town. It's only like 30, 40 minutes down the street from Iowa, I believe. Yeah. Um, he committed there, and then, yeah, like right down uh, – going down to signing day a few days or a week before uh, he flipped to Bama.
0: You know, and this is with no inside information at all, so don't think I'm citing sources or anything. The, the school that I would look for, for Caden Proctor, if they really wanted to make a splash – this is where if Nebraska really has NIO money yeah. to throw around, this is where Nebraska needs to do it. You know, because you've already you've already made an investment in Dylan Rayola as your quarterback, not just of the future, but your quarterback of now. You wanna you wanna give your freshman quarterback the best chance to succeed? Give him a legit NFL starting left tackle to protect him.
1: Yeah. Shit, not much to do in Nebraska, but, I mean, he spent 18 years in Iowa, so he probably has got the boredom part figured out.
0: Yeah, I mean – and, and
1: also, I, like, if it's – if this comes down to money, Iowa and Nebraska aren't even playing on the same, like, playing field.
0: No. It's not I, close. I, You know, what I would tell Caden Proctor, because the, the pull for Iowa, one, you stay close to home, two, I don't know that there's been anybody better in the maybe in our lifetime in college football – other than Mike Sherman developing offensive linemen the way Kirk Ferentz does and how that Iowa program does it. But what I would tell Caden Proctor is, dude, it's not like you need an O-line guru to get you to the next level. Yeah, like, I
1: could coach him, and we're like, still we're still going to the league.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like uh, – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a pro wrestling analogy real quick. So just take this ride with me, Jordan. You don't have to say anything or contribute. But the guy that trained the rock to wrestle, a guy named Tom Pritchard, you no, know, he talks about he, you know, everyone's like, Man, you need to talk about how you train the rock. Talk about how you train the rock. He's like, I didn't really train the rock. Like, he's not taking credit for it. It's like I didn't really train him. Like, he had everything. I just showed him how to use it. Yeah. That's kind of what it is working with a guy like Caden Proctor. Like, you don't need to teach him, you know, yeah. things. You just need to show him how to put it all together, how to yeah. use
1: it. It's, ex- it's always experience stuff for guys like that. Like, yeah. look at – like, I think Derek Williams, um, you know, Malik Muhammad are similar. I, I mean, I both thought they were obviously really good and Malik was ready to play just because I got a lot of exposure to him when he was in high school. But, like, both of those guys are – you know, they have it. They have what yeah. NFL teams desire and look for. It's, you know, just getting experience and making freshman mistakes so you learn from them. Um, yeah. And also – you know, earning that shit and earning playing time. Like, they're not – they don't care how much they're giving you. They will they will keep you on the bench under a guy that's making a tenth of what you're making if, if it's what's best for the team. And, um, you know, I like that because at other schools, how much these guys are getting paid in NIL is factoring into some of the on-field decisions. Whether it's admitted or not, it is happening. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it's happening at a school like Texas, at least, you know, off what I know.
0: Yeah um that that's kind of what i dig about isaiah bond's decision though and some guys will and i'm not knocking anybody that's come out and said why they picked texas or picked any other school but isaiah bond came out and said this was a business decision like straight up it was whether that's whether that's financially or him benefiting from being in sark's offense and what that can do for his future i mean it, it it was a business decision it wasn't anything personal for him to leave alabama so.
1: And, and another thing too, and my dad said this. I was like, "Yeah, apparently, you know, he posted a picture of him at the Lamborghini dealership, and people are killing Texas about it online." And he's like, "This is a great thing for Texas, like <laughs> free <laughs> advertisements. All the other kids who want Lamborghinis and are going, they're deciding on their school off of that, or you know, they want to go somewhere that can take care of them. It's great yeah. advertising for Texas. It is,
0: but see that." The, what what Sark has to to hold over everybody though is the fact that the first year of NIL, there was one guy on that roster who had a Lambo. That was our RB one had a Lambo, and you can kind of dangle the carrot and be like, "Hey, when you get when you're when you're an All American and you're considered a first round pick, you can you're going to have enough money to buy your own Lambo." That's what we're going to do for you here. It's not like they're just handing out Lambo. I think actually I think last year I don't know if he got one, but I know Jake Majors did I think an internship with uh with Lamborghini of Austin and may have had access to one. I think as mm-hmm. part of the internship. I could be way off on that, but I remember hearing about there was some kind of but it was that was more kind of school related, I think. I don't know, but I remember hearing something about Jake may have had access to one. I don't know that he ever drove one, but yeah. Um, CB said, okay. CB said Jake majors in Jordan Whittington. I, I think, I think Jay Witt had one of those deals too, where he was doing like, uh, you know, one of those advertising deals or like an ambassador for Lamborghini of Austin or whatever. <laughs>
1: yeah. Ricardo's true. Um, I saw CB said about Gary Wilson said it was a business decision. So he chose not to go to Texas. Um, Tom Herman and his dad just like they were or Tom Herman and Garrett, Garrett Wilson and his dad were willing to give Texas every shot they could to have an even playing field, even though, you know, they knew Ohio State was probably what was best for them. They still gave Texas every chance in the world. Um, Texas actually, I, I believe, ended up high, having a higher uh, <laughs> offer for him. NIL wasn't a thing back then. Um <laughs> And he still chose to go to Ohio State, and a big part of it was just like they hated the way that Harmon and his staff re- recruited them and talked to them.
0: Um, Dude, okay, you can answer me this. And then the guy I'm going to mention, like I love the guy. I, I don't know why he would say anything disparaging. But from <laughs> from somebody really high up in the Texas organization at the time, Tried to blame Garrett Wilson not coming to Texas on Mike Davis. That Mike Davis filled Garrett's head with a bunch of negative stuff about Texas, and that's why Garrett didn't pick Texas. And I never talked to Mike Davis about it, but I'm like, I don't – I know they kind of worked out together and stuff, but I just –
1: You're saying Mike, like, swayed him away from Texas? Yeah. There was someone at Texas at the time who believed that?
0: Yeah. I just don't, I don't know like what would be my, and I haven't talked to Mike about it. I I don't even know if I've seen Mike since I think I've seen Mike a couple times since then, but like, what would be, what would be Mike Davis's motivation to do that? Right. Like what does he, what does Mike Davis gain by that? And
1: I mean, did Mike Davis train Garrett Wilson? Yes. Do I know how much they trained? No. Do I know what their relationship was like? No. But in my job, where I come across trainer, yes, and Garrett did make the right decision. You were very correct about that, Ricardo. But in this business and in my job, where I come across trainers, seven on seven programs, NIL guys, parents, everything, there are so many trainers and people in this business who like who again get nothing out of doing it, but will sway kids to certain schools. You know, yeah. on other instances, there are trainers who are reimbursed by certain schools to make sure the kid goes there. That's a very real thing. It so happens to this day. Um, and it's going to go on forever. It's always going to be a thing. Did Mike Davis get an Ohio State bag? That's not what I'm trying to say. I want to make that very clear. I'm not trying to say that. <laughs> right. Could he have swayed him? Possibly. But at the same time, like, with so many of these kids, you got to realize they've been the man kind of since they came out the womb where they've been telling people what to do, not vice versa. Yeah. To where it's kind of like the "you can't tell me shit" attitude. To where, you know, a lot of these guys aren't even listening to their high school coaches, like who are actually wanting what's best for them, and are saying, "This is, yeah, you know, I would check out this school or this coach. He's done this and this. Now I'm a good coach. This school, you know, I want to go take a visit pictures and I whatever. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to really, um, I think, have a big say in, in a person's and a kid's recruitment nowadays, just because there's so many factors going on with. You know, and it's also I'm so for the it being the kid's decision. Um, you can always tell whenever you meet parents or a trainer, like okay, yeah, there's no way this kid is actually kind of getting what he wants, or there's yeah. no way this is what again. It, it's it sucks, um, but it, it it happens. So
0: I I can tell you where the where the high school coach relationship really helps is mm-hmm. I think for some of these kids, like the kids that typically get it in a recruitment. It, when it becomes so overwhelming and you just need kind of some, you need somebody to be like a one-stop shop for information. Like, like I just need to tell you about my visits and you tell you about, you know, where I'm thinking about going or whatever. And I think that's when the high school coach, especially if you've got a high school coach that, you know, they've, they've seen recruitments and especially coaches at like the bigger 5A, 6A schools in Texas, you know, they understand how to help you handle the flow of information and who needs to be involved and who doesn't. And I'm not saying every high school coach is perfect because they're not, but more often than not, they can at least kind of play point guard and kind of direct traffic a little bit and and, and kind of funnel things through them. Uh have things have things funneled through them. Because more yeah. often than not, they've they've got experience handling that stuff, whereas even you know, a trainer, somebody like that might not.
1: Yeah, and even, like, you know, even me, like, there'll be times when kids call me, what do you think about this, this visit, this visit, you know, and it's obviously keeping it confidential, stuff like that. But not every kid has a high school coach to talk to about that, and that's another thing that I think so many fans don't realize is, like, again, these are 16- to 17-year-old kids at the end of the day. Like, not all of them have someone in the circle they can talk to to really get understanding what's going on. There are so many – I could name like 20 kids who are going to be at the Texas Junior Day on Saturday who like honestly don't really have a concept of what's going on in their their (laughs) recruiting process because they have no one in their circle that's there to help them out. And you know when you interview them and that's like, it's like you're speaking a foreign language to them. People just don't realize that whenever a kid commits to their school over their favorite school. You know what I mean? Yeah uh and also like game day visits or any visits half 90 percent of the time the kid's on his fucking phone (laughs) and he's there to take visit photos like
0: yeah yeah you're there you're there for the gram and that's pretty much it
1: yeah like he's not there for the love of the game or for you know to go close in his bond with the texas longhorns all the time like
0: i don't know i'm trying to see how many cool places he can get to yeah
1: the ncaa um, screwed up when they when they uh made official visits unlimited that was the main reason i never covered or ever wanted to cover basketball was because you could have 10 and take some your junior year and they passed that for football i was just like geez
0: dude you know uh if you if you're in this business long enough you'll get one of these calls like hey how do i commit to a school oh yeah yeah what what do you mean actually had remember? one of those yeah how, i've had well, one of those well i want to i want to commit to i want to commit sometimes i've gotten calls from kids back when i was doing this it wasn't even texas like well i, I want to commit to you know so how do i do it i'm like but well, he had the coach's number and i'm like we well, should probably call him and ask him but no do your parents know well no does your high school coach know no well, maybe you should tell your parents first, and then get with your high school coach, and then when everybody's on the same page, like all the coaches, like you're right, dude. I, I think we lose sight of just. I mean, there are there are some kids, and Jordan, you. you that's why, like the the All American Bowl Combine is a perfect place for this. You'll yeah. get a wide. You'll get the wide range from the kid that like like a kid like Quandre Diggs was that like, you know it's easy when you're like, you know, you grow up, you're five, six years old and your brother's a first round draft pick and playing in the NFL. Quandre just, he was like an old soul, man. Like he, he would look at like the back of like old football cards and memorize stats and stuff. I always heard that about Quandre, that just eats, breathes and sleeps it. And then you'll get the kid that like has no concept, like couldn't, couldn't name you any coach on the staffs that are recruiting him.
1: Yeah. Like you get,
0: you you get, that's both ends of the spectrum and you get everything in between.
1: Yeah. And like, this past weekend, I was all over the state for the the next level athlete camps. Colin Kennedy and I were talking to an offensive lineman in the twenty five class that's currently rated a four star. Um, kind of just shooting the shit with him, and he told us he didn't play football and like, or he didn't he didn't watch football. My bad, my bad. Like he wouldn't even watch college or NFL. Like the only time he's really watched it is when he's playing it or like they're watching his high school film or he's at a stadium and we both came away like that's like quite possibly kind of the biggest red flag you can have you know outside of like obviously legal troubles yeah but yeah there it's always and also like our rankings have nothing to do with like mental evals (laughs) because that'd be impossible to rank everyone but dude if they did the rankings would look a lot different like, there's a lot of kids you come across where the ranking's way lower than it should be. And it's like, he has an elite mindset. That kid is going to be fucking successful. There's also other kids you meet, five stars, where it's like, there's no way he's making it. There's no way. Um, and it's always interesting to see once the portal rolls around because that's uh, that's when you get confirmation on if you're right or wrong. I picked good money to see races race this summer between Bond Gold and Blue Cooking. Yeah. Yeah, no, nah, really. I'm I'm waiting for all the all the college game day signs with all those names because you know they're all kind of similar.
0: You but. know, it's uh, what you were just saying, man. The you know the first the first person I thought about the first prospect I thought about um, was Javon Shepard when he signed with Texas out of the Houston area. Just from the guys in, in our business that went out to watch him in high school just some of the stories that I heard get relayed back to me. And it's not like they were outlandish stories. It was stuff that like, hey, I was at the school in the weight room and saw such and such happen. That's the kind of deal where it's like, dude, this dude's either, he's either three and done to the NFL and is going to be a millionaire or he'll be here a year and you'll never hear from him again. And yeah. it's unfortunate, but that's kind of what happened to Javon Shepard. Uh, the opposite of that uh, would be uh, Devontae Lampkin. Devontae Lampkin was the opposite of that because, uh, you know, i I didn't know I didn't know a whole lot about how it was going to end for him, and unfortunately, uh, he passed away in uh, in 2022, May 5th of 2022. Um, but I kind of felt the same thing about Devontae Lampkin. I'm like, this guy's either going to be an NFL defensive tackle, or he's going to drop off the face of the earth. And he ended up, he ended up getting a shot. Actually, was a productive player at Oklahoma. Had a presence at Oklahoma, and and ended up getting a cup of coffee. I think with the Tennessee Titans, maybe. I Think he was with mm-hmm. the Titans for a minute, but yeah, they're You know, Jordan, like basically what Jordan and I are saying is, you meet these kids in high school, and you get a pretty good idea of, yeah, that kid. He'll be able to stick it out or man, you know, it, it can, I mean, I'll be honest, man. It can impact the kid's ranking. Cause it's like when you get a really good idea and you've got like tangible evidence of that boomer bust factor. Yeah. It can impact the kid's ranking. I'm not gonna lie. Like it, it it can and will. And I've seen, I've seen it happen. Probably both of those guys. I will probably actually have seen it with both those guys. Those guys probably should have been ranked higher than they were coming out of high school, but. All the other stuff. Uh Yeah, Devontae Lampkin was uh, signed with the Titans as an undrafted free agent. Was waived September 1, 2018.
1: Yeah. And even, like, <laughs> I doubt anyone is really going to remember this. Do you remember Keith on Lee? Yeah. Since he was released from Texas, he's been arrested, like, over two dozen times in Brazos <laughs> County. Yeah. Um. Uh, he he's got a, uh, where I'm trying to find it. Um yeah, if I remember correctly, he had a couple of face stats um now, but not 100 percent sure. Uh but yeah. Yeah.
0: And that was a that was a commitment, like not a signing, that was a commitment, Sark honored. Yeah. And then ended up taking the letter of intent. Uh they signed. And that that, sp- that spring period, that February signing day, they signed two high school guys. It was Keith Ron Lee and David Abiarra. Both guys that had, they had question marks about him. Like, David should is he still at SMU? I don't even know if he's still at SMU. I know that's where he transferred. But uh,
1: How do you spell the last
0: name again? <clears throat> maybe uh, I'll look it up. But, yeah, th- those are the two high school guys that Sark took. Uh, David Abiarra, I want to say, was, gosh, was committed to Notre Dame. At one point, I strongly consider. Oh, David Aviar played, apparently played at SMU this last year, based on what I'm looking at right here. Uh, yeah, he had three tackles, a half a sack in his career at SMU. He is 10 games played, six tackles, one and a half TFLs, a half a sack. So he's still on that roster. Really talented kid um, out of the Dallas area. You know, I, yeah, I remember Keith Runley. You know, there's, there's been guys like that at Tech. Man, Shavosky Collins back in the day was one of those guys. You know, just stuff stuff happens to guys. They get kicked out. like Jalen Overstreet. I think Jalen Overstreet ended up at Sam Houston State. But dude, there's, it just shows you, man. It, it it's like I say this all the time. I know we kind of veered off track, and and we'll talk more about the wide receiver position. Kind of go in depth about it tomorrow. But it. it i always say you know nfl franchises have pretty much unlimited resources you know there's a level playing field they get all this time pre-draft digging these guys backgrounds they can hire investigators like whatever and dude how many franchises still screw up their draft picks still end up getting taking bad apples still end up getting guys that they know they probably shouldn't take that end up screwing up anyway so you're asking college coaches with fewer, fewer available resources to them to do background on these guys. Plus you're further along in your development as a human being mentally, when you're 21, 22, as opposed to 17 or 18, it's, it really does to, at the end of the day, it's a gamble man. it's, it's really a crap shoot to figure out which of these guys are going to be the guys that get it, <laughs> that can persevere through some adversity that can come out clean on the other side. That can handle being coached. That won't act a fool when they're away from home for the first time. So, like all the stuff that we talk about, the skill sets and all that stuff, none of that stuff matters. If I mean, I remember one recruit during the Charlie Strong era, uh, a talent, talented kid, and he ended up signing with Oklahoma State. Basically, he got his Texas scholarship revoked during his official visit weekend because he disappeared during his OV. Allegedly spent part of it at the Yellow Rose, and then when he resurfaced with the coaches, was from when I was told in no state physically to be around anybody. And he got got sent home and he didn't have a scholarship to Texas after that. So bang. Man, yeah, it's it's crazy, man. <laughs> but uh uh Gringo Orange says meltdown on Bama podcast right now. They're freaking yeah. well, I mean dude, I'm running to Bama 24/7
1: as we speak.
0: Here's the deal, right? If you're an Alabama fan, and I, I heard my guy, Josh Pate, say this, uh, on one of his videos, like if you're an Alabama fan of a certain age, like you, you don't know anything about struggle or anything like that. This is uncharted territory. And it's not that Alabama is the greatest football program in the history of college football, and, and they have, you know, no peers. It's just that dude, you had, you had the goat, the greatest to ever do this. In my opinion, considering the circumstances. The greatest college football coach of all time for almost two decades running things there. That what happened at Alabama doesn't happen anywhere else. Like you, yeah, that fan base and, and people that cover the team, y'all were spoiled for seventeen years with freaking Nick Saban, dude. Is it as bad? Is it as bad at Bama twenty four seven on the message board as I, I assume?
1: Oh no, I'm not going to Bama twenty four seven. Is too behaved for me. I'm uh I'm going to another another site's board. Okay. Damn, I was hoping they were live on YouTube so I could you know see what? their I, guys. You know, you know, what you know realize, which though. site I'm talking about.
0: You know what um, I realized though, like every, every fan base has that one message board, that one site that it's like, dude, if you want just wheels off stuff and like, yeah, it like honestly, I realized that for Texas A and M, like the Gigum twenty four seven board is that board for A and M fans where it's like, dude, if you just want to vent and just kind of get it all out like that's the place to go like that stuff i didn't really fly like texas or any other places like if you just want to just spew venom uh you can do it on tarp and peroni's board they'll just i like both those guys (laughs) they let do they let a lot of stuff fly over there man that like at at our side we're like dude there we'd be dropping banhammers left and right man (laughs) <laughs> it's yeah, little- me,
1: Yeah, y'all are good because me personally, never once on social media in my life have I blocked, banned, done anything. And well, I, I have all, you know me, I think, so I, I've always read the comments and been like, eh. And then I'll see you or Hank text like, I just banned this son of a...
0: <laughs> well, it's like, but when you... You know, I understand.
1: You, I appreciate. It. I really do appreciate it.
0: When you issue a lifetime ban and you look at somebody and they've had two strikes for using like racial slurs, it's like, all right, you, we can't. You clearly can't handle, you know, communicating with people in a public forum. So there's just there's no longer room for you here in this oh, establishment. Yeah. So, Trey, you've been in, engulfed in the message board culture for a, for a minute.
2: Yeah, I try to not spend too much time on fan site
0: message boards you're you're more of a lurker right not a not a poster
2: i i lurk in the shadows sometimes but it also become can become a huge time suck it's like yeah it's like the original social media where not only do you find yeah. yourself just pulled into the most mundane shit but you also end up engaging yeah. Which turns into another set of health problems for a lot of people, too. Especially Man. once you start biting on the bullshit that trolls are trying to get you with. Yeah, I'm better off lurking in the shadows of those things and doing so maybe a couple of times a week.
0: You know, that's why I tell like like CB and there's a couple other people. And I love you, CB, but there's people that get fired up on Twitter. Like when Feinbaum says something negative about Texas, I'm like, I don't I don't know why y'all take the bait like you, you know you know when Paul Feinbaum says anything about Texas more than likely it's gonna be negative so why are you even going there and like at this point I mean I've been in I've been moderating a Texas message board as a as a staff member since 08 so at this point this long into it like I I very much pick my battles like there's there's a lot of stuff I let slide and just ignore it that's out of sight out of mind that Ten years ago would have just ruined my day. See,
2: and what I typically do, and by the way, Daryl, no, I don't have a burner account. I use it may be Courtesy Wave or, or Trey Elling, one of the two. Yeah, what I do is when I go to a topic that interests me, it's something that's almost always started by by one of you guys or a moderator, and I'm just scrolling through looking for other moderator comments on the subject. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. that's what. There's a function actually on our board where you can. uh basically just pick a moderator and just follow their posts. Mm. So that way you'll only see kind of what myself or Jordan or <clears throat> Chip or whoever you want to follow, it'll be on there. But yeah, I mean, it's, uh, dude, it's it's crazy, man. B- BK, do you ever get in- engulfed in the message board culture? Does the Brad Kellner Hordes 24-7 account get
3: engulfed? No, but are there some other accounts that could be operated by Brad Kellner that get engulfed? In the Horns 24-7 message board culture, perhaps?
0: That's going to be my goal. My goal the rest of the afternoon is uh, finding BK's burners on the <laughs> site. and start entering email, random email addresses. Emphasis oh, on the
3: S in burners.
0: Dude. No, I, I think, yeah. I feel
2: like. Look for Hebrew Hammer 69, Jeff. <laughs>
1: No, nah, we just we we really we gotta walk them into we gotta lead them into something and do like we gotta set up a perfect trap on their board somehow where only whole know the answer or something.
0: You know, I, I don't I don't I mean because I, I work for Orange twenty four seven so I don't spend time on the message boards at like inside Texas or Orange Bloods. Um yeah, I think I, I think there. for I think for Texas fans, honestly, like the place where it's like, hey, if you just wanna go here and just vent, like it's like I tell people, man. Sur- Surly Horns is a very good place for that. If you just want to go just let it all out and, you know, cuss and do whatever, then uh, that's, you know, go have at it. Now, I don't have any problem with anybody posting Surly Horns. I I don't really look over there anymore. I just kind of learned that hey, for every positive thing you're going to see, there's going to be a couple posts you don't want to see, so it's just kind of out of sight, out of mind. But like every Every fan base has that kind of, they have their surly horns. Like Jordan and I were talking about, like for the A&M fans, I didn't realize this until recently, but our 24-7 A&M board, that's kind of the board Aggie fans go to where it's like, Pretty much anything goes. You just want to go there and bitch and rant and rave. Well that's that's kind of the whole A and M market. Like
1: I I've never been on the TechS website. I just see screenshots on the message board genius account. Like <laughs> that's a war zone over there too. I doubt it's better than them 24-7 or much worse. Like for my from the my whole AM market's a shit show.
0: From my experience, the TechS Message Board from and we were actually partners with them in the ESPN network back in the day when I was at Inside Texas. It's very much uh I don't know if it still is, but back then I got a feeling it was a—it was kind of the sanitized version of Aggie Rage, if there is such a thing. Mm. Almost, almost the Disney version of of A and M fandom. Mm. Okay, PG like,
2: yeah, like thirteen. Farmers yeah. talking about Aggie sports. Yeah,
0: yeah. Mm. <laughs> Whereas you know the Giggum twenty four seven board is, "F you! I hope you die and get AIDS and." You know, when you're down on the ground, I'm going to piss in your mouth while you're there. Oh, okay. I, I would yeah. suggest
2: that if you're going to go that route, if you're an AM and fan, you hope that somebody gets AIDS before they die. Because if they get AIDS after they die, it doesn't do a whole lot of good, you know? Yeah. He's got AIDS. Yeah.
0: Thank you, BK. Yes. Don't thank Big. me. That was Donald Sterling. I didn't say anything. Big Magic Johnson. What's Big it? Magic Johnson. What has he done? He's got AIDS. <laughs> on that note, that's a good <laughs> By the way, Trey, did you take a look at that deal I texted you guys last night of the question Todd Bowles got yesterday at his conference? I Ooh, saw that. I saw that.
2: Hilarious! That. Oh my Ooh.
3: god. Well, before y'all leave, do you, do we want to watch this together? Sure. I don't I think I don't think any show has shown this yet, but you uh, brought this to our attention in the TSU group text last night. Here's Bucks head coach Todd Bowles fielding a question from a reporter in advance of the Buccaneers game in Detroit this weekend.
0: uh, looking forward towards uh, Detroit. Um, The weather has been a factor in some of the playoff games, even for the most prepared teams. Uh, Today it's uh, 13 in uh, Detroit, which doesn't compare to some of the temperatures (coughs) we have talked to. Any special plans to acclimate the team to not only uh, endure but perform in those kind of frigid temperatures should you face them in Detroit?
1: You do know we play indoors, right? And they got a dome. I don't. Um, no. Nothing planned. We're we're indoors and we only have to be outside for twenty seconds getting off the bus, going under the thing, so we'll be okay.
0: Todd Bowles treated that as well as he possibly could have. Dude. Did
1: y'all see how Mike Tomlin left his press conference? Mm-hmm. What was that?
0: The question was starting, so I know you have one year left on your contract, and then Mike Tomlin just walked off.
1: <laughs> yeah, and left, and left. He just
0: laughed. Uh, look, look, man, we we've all done interviews, we've all been at press conferences, we, we've all asked dumb questions and stuff that we would have back. Oh, yeah. Nope. No, no, not that dumb. No, I can't imagine that dumb.
3: That's what happens when you don't give the job (laughs) to the most qualified person. That's what happens when you give a job to somebody to try to hit a quota. That's not what happens when you give the job to the most qualified person. Yeah. I
0: can't imagine setting up a question thinking I've got a banger here and this is going to be just the best question ever. And it takes, it's like the, BK, one of your mentors, it's like the Bob Sturm two-minute setup. Mm. Like, this is just going to hit a home run, and it's like you get kicked right in. Well, I was going to say the nuts, but like your piece or whatever. You know, it's it's it like deflating doesn't begin to describe it.
2: The two-minute uh, setup, we call that the Bucky Godbolt in these parts.
0: <laughs> BK, you've worked with both. Who has a longer setup to a question, Bucky or Bob? Uh, I think Bob does, but,
3: but Bucky finds a way to ask like 16 different questions in one. Like Bob <laughs> Bob just asks one super long-winded question. Bucky is, by the time he gets to the actual question I think he's asking, he's already asked four other questions as well.
2: Well, yeah, he, as- he asks several questions, and then he ends with a statement. So the person's kind of <laughs> waiting for a second for the final <laughs> question to be thrown out there. <laughs> Oh,
0: that's All right. awesome. All right guys, I know y'all have a show to do so we're uh, we're gonna get out of here.